All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is November 29th, 2023. We are heading into the last month of the year, just in a couple days. I'm the Maestro Jeremy Cup alongside Jared. Thank you so much, Jared, for tuning in, or for joining us this evening yet again. Thank you for having me again, Jeremy. Oh, of course. And folks, be sure to tune in to um, us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more places. Anywhere your podcast can be found, ours can too. Um, so I think the first thing I want to kick us off with is the fact that, you know, last week you and I were talking about the Cardinals and their free agency moves or in some cases, ones that a lot of people didn't expect, or ones that, you know, they expected better of, you know. Well, the Cardinals went out and surprised a lot of people, and they got the guy that they had wanted this whole time. Um, and the St. Louis Cardinals and starting pitcher Sonny Gray agreed a few days ago um, to a three-year, $75 million contract that has a club option for 2027. Um, and you know, and of course I know people are going to say it's the cliche thing to say at a press conference, but Sonny Gray was beyond excited to be, a to be a part of this franchise, um, at his introductory conference, you know, he said, quote, going into this thing, I wanted to be a Cardinal that, that, that probably started, a little over a year ago. It's a place that every time I've come here as a visitor, I've looked at the stadium and said, wow, this place is incredible. Um, now, last year, Gray was 8-8 eight eight with a 2.79 ERA in 184 innings for the Twins, which is basically um, arguably the best statistics if you put him with the Cardinals in the rotation this year. Um, he had 183 strikeouts and allowed 156 hits and walked 55 people. Now, he's gone 23-20 and 20 when he was with the Reds from 2019 to 2021. But over 11 seasons with the A's, Yankees, Reds, and Twins, Gray is 98-85 with the 3.47 ERA, which is not terrible. Um, I think the first thing I have to ask you, Jared, is what were your thoughts on the announcement that Sonny Gray is now a part of the St. Louis Cardinals? You know... I was personally, I was excited as a Cardinals fan for the Cardinals to secure someone that's not signing a quote unquote one year deal <laughs> and someone that's actually excited to be with the Cardinals and bring a more of a positive energy and a positive mindset to the team that had that has been struggling quite a bit. And it's like, this is a new person who's never been a part of the Cardinals. It's a new landscape for him, and it could be his make it or break it for one of the quote-unquote top teams in MLB. But it's also room for him to grow within those couple years that he has signed. I think the biggest problem that... A lot of people, and this is one that I do have as well, 
Look, I think that the Cardinals getting Sonny Gray was a huge addition. The problem I do have is that he is 34. And if you take the main five guys that the Cardinals have right now, the average age of the rotation is 35 years old. You got Miles Michaelis, you got Lance Lynn, you got Kyle Gibson, Steven Matz, and um, you now will have Sonny Gray. Um, and Sonny Gray is the youngest of them at uh, 34. Uh, Michaelis is 35, and Lance Lynn's 36, as is Kyle Gibson. You know, and so you take a look, and Steven Matz is probably like 59. No, okay. Steven Matz is, in all honesty, actually, Steven Matz, believe it or not, is the youngest of them. He's 32. Um, but it, with his injury history, it's just slowed him down um, significantly. Um, but it, it just brings up a lot of questions. And plus, we don't know for sure if Matt will be the main bullpen or a main starter. They might put in Lee Bator. They might put in uh, Zach Thompson. There's a lot of possibilities as far as um, as far as who they may get going. And the thing of it is, if you're a team building for the future, you can't bring in guys on the tail end of their career. And I think that's one thing a lot of people might be worried about you know i agree with that quite a bit and it's and i would want to say it's kind of the the cardinals has that issue they go more towards the older people could it be because of that they think that they have that more experience compared to the younger ones that are still trying to grow into the MLB. It, it, I, it's just confusing for me what they are thinking instead of looking to the younger people that has that more longevity that can be for the team instead of temporarily on the team. And, you know, look, Gray has been among the top pitchers in baseball for, you know, years now. Um, you know, he's had runner-up finishes for the AL Cy Young Award. And, look, joining a team that had a team ERA in the starters of 5.08, which was 25th in baseball, okay, this is a, an improvement. Like, we're not saying that having, um, you know – Sonny Gray on the Cardinals is a bad idea because it's not. It's a great addition. It's one that, for the most part, everybody seems to be on the same page about. Um, I think the issue is, you know, I what's next? You know, Mosaic keeps making it clear that, oh, we're not done. You know, free agency still early. And if it is, great. I mean, it technically is early. But if it's not the last move you're going to make, great. But it's like, well, then where do you go from here? Your biggest issue was your starting rotation, your pitching. And you've already gotten three starters, you know, two 36-year-olds and a 34-year-old. What are you going to do next? Who are you going to go out and get next? Like, 
And I'm going to just be honest. Like, you want the absolute biggest um, mind-blowing um, thing out there is if they say Otani's coming to the Cardinals. That's the biggest mind-blowing one I would get. But other than that, like, I mean, I'm still trying to think of some of the more notable MLB free agents um, that are left. I mean, there there's some good ones out there. Like, and like I said, the Cardinals did get three of them right now. But um, so, you know, Joey Votto is one. Okay. Now, once again, we get into the conversation about older players. Joey Votto's 40 years old, but he's a former MVP. He's a six-time All-Star, future Hall of Famer. Okay. Jack Flaherty. All right. Jack Flaherty's 28. Yeah, I get it. Jack Flaherty was a Cardinal, got traded away. Yeah, who cares? You can bring him back. Um, Whit Merrifield. Okay. Once again, he's getting up there, but... And it's and it's a middle infielder type situation, but he is a good base dealer. Um, he's not a, a frequent walker. He's very consistent of getting on base, though. So I'm I'm almost at, kind of stuck at what the Cardinals could do. I mean, Joey Gallo, David Robertson. Is there anybody that stands out to you, Jared, on who you think? Um, the Cardinals could even pursue at this point. I think realistically in Cardinals financially at this point, it's just them spending money on who they think will help the team. But from a fan's point of view, or let's per se my point of view after this sunny gray signing, whoever they sign after this, how will it actually really help the Cardinals elevate? No one that is currently up for grabs that I can think of at the moment will actually carry the Cardinals further to, let's say, a playoffs game that I can realistically think of. So I think right now it's just a spending money game after this you know i look at the cardinal situation right now and yes the cardinals have gone out and spent money they haven't gone insane with it i mean i'm not acting like 75 million is chump change but hell i'd be happy to have 7500 let alone 75 million um but you take a look at the rest of the division, it was an off year for the NL Central. Let's not act like the National League Central was a top-tier division. It was rough all around the edges. Um, so I feel the Cardinals need to have a great offseason in order to really take advantage of that. Um, and my concern is that they're going to feel that they're, you know – satisfied with where they're at right now um and so 
you you take a look and and Mosellock's reputation precedes him, of course, when it comes to how he is when it comes to spending money. Um, and like I said, you know, Adam Wainwright's gone. He retired. Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery are trade were traded away. Right now, you got Michaelis, Lancelin, Stephen Matz, and Kyle Gibson. Um, and now Sonny Gray. How many games do you win with that rotation? One. <laughs> One game is my best bet because it's like when you break it down, like you said, they have to have a good off season. But in my mind, I feel like Mosellock, he believes at this draft they're going to be in a good standing. And yeah. it's like you're not going to be in a good standing. You need a good off season. You need to kick butt the first half chunk of the games that you're in in the regular season <laughs> to even impress the fans after last season. Right. And I look at, you know, while obviously I think they're going to do much better than one game combined, um, I do feel that the Cardinals, right now, they have pieces, but it's putting the puzzle together. You know, and my other theory is, Right now, what could be happening is the Cardinals are literally biding time. They could have all these veterans in this rotation, let the guys that are in Memphis and Springfield and Palm Beach develop over a season or two, get them called up, see where it goes from there. And if so, I'm going to be honest, that's a master plan. Like, that is ingenious um, if it pays off. But you you need the thing about Cardinal fans. I mean, you and I know this as well as anybody. Fiercely loyal to the team, but fiercely impatient as well. When you have a rich history, and this goes for any franchise. I mean, look at the Patriots in the NFL this year. Look at how terrible they are. When you're a franchise with a rich history and you start struggling and you don't reach the expectations that your franchise has uh, behested upon you, fans are going to get pissed. And I feel that that's kind of where we're at right now. I feel that, I mean, obviously for the Cardinals, 71 and 91 isn't good by any means. It's terrible. But... I don't see this as the beginning of a long stretch of those types of seasons. Sonny Gray was a great signing. And, you know, I know it's going to get plenty of flack. Every decision is. I feel that getting Sonny Gray was a huge step for the Cardinals because, look, the reason these guys are getting... The big reason Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson got signed, innings eaters... That's what this team struggled with so bad last year. These guys couldn't get through the fourth inning hardly. 
you know, and like now we got guys that can pitch longer, not have to put so much of the burden on the bullpen. Now we just got to hit the damn ball and get some runs and we'll be in business. So it, I feel like the Cardinals, I don't want to say they're set because they're not. They're not set. Nothing is set. But I will say that the Cardinals are in the right direction. Um, you know, I think in some ways they've already exceeded expectations. Nobody expected them to do a damn thing. Other people knew that it would have been Mosellocks and Ollie's ass if they didn't. So, but you know, I will give Mosellocks some credit on one thing. He keeps a lot of his ideas and plans close to himself. He does not let a single thing out until he's ready to execute execute that plan right then and there. Unlike there are other management that will just let out their intentions of doing, signing this person or doing that. John Mosellock, he keeps it close and keeps it quiet until he executes it. So I will give him credit on that. Yeah, very much so. And we'll be keeping track of how things go with the Cardinals as free agency is still fresh on the table. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue here on Roundabout Sports with some good old-fashioned Mizzou football. Okay, so college football is... I can't believe we're already in playoff mode for college football. Holy crap. Well, Mizzou football has had its best season since 2014. I mean, they have exceeded. Speaking of exceeding expectations, can we talk about how Mizzou has exceeded everybody's expectations? I mean, now, okay, they won't be going to the college football playoff. They are ineligible for the SEC championship, but we got a top ten, a top ten finish here, Jared. They went ten and two this year, and their only two losses were to number one Georgia. And number 13, LSU. So I'll be honest, losing, and it was close both those games. So losing to the team that's probably going to either be in or win the national championship again, and a team that's still, that's going to be in the New Year's Six Bowl, I'll take it. Um, Coach Eli Drinkwitz has done a fantastic job. Um, Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, uh, Luther Burden the third, like these, this team is uh such fun to watch um you know and a lot of reasons that mizzou finished number nine for the third consecutive week is because it's it's quite simply that everybody else in the top 10 kept winning the only one that lost in the this past week in rivalry weekend the only team that lost was ohio state and that was to michigan you know, and so you're not going to jump up past Alabama because the number uh, two team in the nation beat, you know, Ohio State. Like, that's not how it goes, you know. Um, so, and la on last, last night, I'm sorry, 
was when the fifth college football playoff rankings were revealed. Um, and so Mizzou's looking pretty good. You know, number nine, AP poll all across the board. So I have to ask you, Jared, what are your thoughts on how Mizzou's done this season? You know, I've caught a couple Mizzou games this season. Of I've watched it when I was at work, caught up on quite a bit of college football. And I will say, this year, Mizzou, I'll probably say this is one of their top five years in playing football since it was started. I would definitely say that they have improved. They have put themselves back on the map. They have started to take themselves serious and started making other colleges take them serious because for a while they were just someone that they could just step on and walk right past this year. Hey, you stepped on their turf and you got slammed. So, yeah, I mean, and the thing of it is, so they're holding pretty steady right now when it comes to the whole rankings. Now, the biggest thing is by beating Air, or Arkansas, by beating Arkansas last week, 48-14, to 14, not only does it keep the battle line rivalry trophy in Columbia, Mizzou, there are four possibilities uh, as far as bowl games go that Mizzou can be in. Because, uh, look, let me tell you something. The Beefo Brady Bowl or the um, Ruffles Nachos Jalapeno Cheddar Bowl, you know, or the Advanced Auto Parts Bowl sponsored by Pennzoil or some crap like that, none of those are um, going to happen. And first, we um, always a pleasure having the snitch tune in, and he says... Mizzou has kind of has been kind of snitch light. Surprisingly good. Light because if they were totally like me, they'd be undefeated and the overwhelming favorite in the college football playoff. Well, damn. Uh, ooh. <laughs> snitch is always with the takes. Wow. Well, as I was saying before, Mizzou has four bowls that they'll most likely be in. Either the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl, or the Peach Bowl. Um... And I'm telling you right now, having them in any of those should be nothing short of an amazing accomplishment, not just this year, but in any year, because we're talking about some very prestigious bowl games here. But these are staples of college football, you know, them along with the Rose Bowl, um, which uh, to me, there's no way Mizzou would get to taste the Rose Bowl this year, but that's okay. Personally, okay. This is how I look at the situation with Mizzou and, and, and where they would play in the playoffs. To me, the ideal bowl, put them against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. I think that is an ideal matchup. Two great young quarterbacks, Quinn Ewers versus Brady Cook. Um, a stifling Texas defense versus the best rushing attack in the SEC. One of the best rushing attacks in the nation, let alone just the best one in the conference. Um, you know, you're basically, and the thing of it is, Texas and Mizzou have both been great at winning in close games this year. And I feel that it's something that 
I would be interested to see uh, put to the test when if they face off. Um, now that Mizzou is also the sixth, one of the six teams from the SEC in the rankings because Georgia and Alabama are ahead of them. Georgia's one, Alabama seven, Mississippi's eleven, LSU's thirteen, and Tennessee is number twenty-one. Like I said, you know, not too shabby whatsoever. Um, Kansas beating Kansas State um, and Tennessee also really helps Mizzou because Mizzou beat both, thanks to the thicker kicker, of course, uh, launching a 61-yarder to beat Kansas State, which I still don't get how the hell he did that. I will never understand how he did it, but you know what? He did it, and damn it, I'm proud he did. Um, heart. So, now, um, Rock M Nation did a poll, and so, hang on one second. They actually did a poll where um, they wanted to see um, who, where everybody wanted to face off and i believe the majority of them said the cotton bowl um if i can just get down there and look i mean the majority of the thread definitely wants to be in the cotton bowl we do have some that were saying the the peach bowl as well um i know my uncle wants them to play in the orange bowl because it'd be in florida um actually he he was saying maybe the peach bowl in atlanta i'm like yeah but atlanta in january isn't going to be any warmer than being in it you know like <laughs> so i really enjoyed the progress of this team this year mizzou has um just absolutely now i will say um this is also kind of where the transfer portal announcements, declaring for the draft announcements, you know, that's where this stuff really starts kicking in. Now, um, I do want to say that Mizzou got some good news uh, last night for its 2024 recruiting class. Um, Elias Williams, who's a blue chip defensive, uh, took to social media announcing that he's sticking with the Tigers. Um, he, and I think it's great for Mizzou. He's a defensive lineman. And when you look at the teams that he was getting offers from, Alabama, Tennessee, USC, and Florida State. Now, come on. You're picking Mizzou over them? That is sh That shows dedication to a franchise, to a collegiate program. Um, and, you know, I'm... I'm excited to see how he does. Um, Williams is listed at measuring 6'4", 270. He's rated four stars, the number 50 defensive lineman, the ranked number 55 in the entire state of Florida, and the number 430 prospect in the entire nation for 2024. Um, so, you know... Verbal commitments are only half the battle. You do have your choice to change your mind until the official signing. 
But for all intents and purposes, it looks like Elias is going to be staying with the Tigers as far as his commitment. Um, with 16 commitments thus far, Mizzou's 2024 class is currently ranked, currently ranked number 25 or 35 on composite. So very good news there for Mizzou, um, which I know there has been news of players getting, um, what is it? Damian Wilson. I was trying to think of the player's name. I know Mizzou linebacker Damian Wilson is announced that he is going to be entering the transfer portal following this season. So, you know, it's college football is a frenzy. We talk about free agent frenzies and MLB, NBA, NFL, all that. I mean, hell, Jared, I'm telling you, man, college football gets wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in so far to Roundabout Sports. I'm the maestro, Jimmy Carp, alongside Jared Shannon. Be sure to find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, at Interstate 70 Sports Media. Um, and you can find Roundabout Sports on there and on anywhere that you can find a podcast. Now, Jared, you had a story that you wanted to bring to the viewers, the listeners' attention today. So I'm going to let you oh, take yeah. the lead on it. So everyone knows that St. Louis brought in a soccer team, built a new soccer stadium uh, last year, and played their first season this year. And many St. Louisians and people that travel to see the best team in the whole entire country, St. Louis's team, of course, uh, <laughs> have realized how hard those tickets have have been to even be in a waiting list or to even get and one of the issues after the season was over is that the owner of the stadium was have realized that it's not giving people a chance to even get inside of the stadium to see it that's not a ticket holder for soccer. Right. So now the city of St. Louis is pushing for the stadium to hold other events such as concerts, uh, other sporting events, uh, arcade events in the, uh, in the stadium. And I'm one of those people that haven't, gotten a chance to get inside of the stadium yet. I've been outside of it. I've tried to get tickets for the soccer game, but the waiting list is just too long. <laughs> it's yeah. And I think for their 2024 season, they're already on another waiting list as well. I believe they are. Have you gotten a chance to get inside of the stadium yet? I've not gotten a chance to get inside the stadium. I'm grateful for some of the photographers at Interstate 70 Sports Media who have um, been on the feet on the pitch to get pictures from St. Louis City SC. Um, but I've had close friends who've been there, and they've said it it is an unbelievable experience. And to your point, I do feel it'd be nice if they would have more 
a multitude of events. Um, you know, but as, I, I want to see what you feel about this from our dear friend Christopher Miles, everybody's favorite heel referee, um, host of Issues with Wrestling with Christopher Miles um, every week. He says, I'm not sure how other events would work at City Park. It's so soccer specific. Jared, what are your thoughts on that? I wouldn't say it's necessarily soccer specific. Like AT&T Stadium in Texas, that's a you could say that's a quote-unquote football experience. There's another guy by the name of Jared, who's a fellow friend of mine. <laughs> uh, he hosts a Nerf battle in that stadium, in a football stadium, a where Nerf also battle. WrestleMania has been held there as well. So if you can hold a Nerf battle in a football and wrestling stadium, I'm pretty sure you can hold a Nerf battle in a soccer stadium. Or you could do pretty much anything arcade-like in that soccer stadium. It's you know, a Mr. Beast video. <laughs> there we go. It could be a simple, simple arcade, a gaming, a some type of gaming tournament can end there instead of the smaller venues. There's tons of possibilities for that soccer stadium just besides soccer. I feel like St. One thing about St. Louis I do love in the St. Louis area I love is there are so many venues that can host a multitude of events. Um, you know, it's not just four places. Um, it's not just the dome. It's not just Bush Stadium, Enterprise Center, and City Park. You do got Chaffetz Arena. You do got places like Orlando Gardens. And, you know, um, you got places off in Soulard. You know, you got, hell, you got places in Union Station, outside Union Station. There's places all around St. Louis. Um, and that can host conventions, events. Like, you got America Center. I know technically that and the Dome are connected, but... You know, you got the America Center as well, the Convention Center, and there's stuff out here in St. Charles. You got the Family Arena, the St. Charles Convention. Shit, there is so many places. So I don't feel like it's a necessity to make it more specific. I do think, though, first off, I knew it was going to be a hell of a time trying to get tickets for this inaugural season. That's just to be expected. But I do think that they need to work on that. They need to work on making it easy, easier to get tickets. And I, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe that because it's not just like, hey, give me my tickets. I want tickets. It's not fair that they got them and I didn't. No, it's not that. It's more so that, you know, I think the way, especially as we head into 2024, you know, box offices have made their way into just online buying tickets and stuff. Um, so I don't know. Can it host different events? Sure. Will they? Eh, that one, the jury's still out on. I give it about four years until they host another 
anything outside of soccer. I give it about four or five years. Yeah, I can see that. Folks, there's two. You know what? I didn't get asked to do either of these, but I do wanted to give two local. Jared and I live in the St. Louis area. I wanted to give two local plugs in. Um, first, major plug, major shout out to the St. Andrew Cinema um, in St. Charles, Missouri. Um, it's been a long time coming, but not too long ago, they uh, uh, had a massive fire in the theater, and it's one. Of, it's one, the only dollar theater that's in the metro area. It's one of the few that's still around and the bi-state area um and through so much renovation through so many donations through so much efforts the saint andrew cinema is back in business um and you know like i said i just want to give a big shout out to them for they are at 2025 golfway street saint charles missouri 63301 um they, especially during this time of year, it's always hot there. Like the crowds are always showing up to see some of the latest and greatest films. Um, they just did a screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, which is always a classic. So major shout out to them. Also, um, I do want to give a shout out because. Uh, Christopher Miles asks you and I, what are we doing Saturday? Well, I know he's not asking that because he wants to go grab a beer or two. He's asking that because this Saturday, December 2nd, at Spalding Hall in uh, Alton, Illinois. Alton, Illinois, Pro Wrestling Epic will be... Uh, yeah, can't even get my words out. You know what, Jared? I'll <laughs> let you do it. We're both a part no. of it. Hell, I, look, you'll have me there doing the commentary, but I'm going to let you do the plug. You can be the marketing specialist on this. This this Saturday in the beautiful Alton, Illinois, at Spalding Hall at 405 East 4th Street, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Pro Wrestling Epic presents Unsigned and Upset to this Saturday featuring the Jet Benjamin Trust. Multiple new champions, multiple actions, an announcement from the boss man. It's going to be an action-packed show. Tickets are still available. Come out. Come see the. Come see Jeremy Carp. Come boo Christopher Mouse. Cheer me on with the signs. It's going to be a great night. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it has been a fantastic year for us at Pro Wrestling Epic. I'm beyond grateful for Lenny Mephisto and... You know, having me on board. You can go to the Pro Wrestling Epic YouTube channel. That's at P. It's at PW Epic. I want to make that clear because there's there was another old channel out there, and I don't want you all to get confused, wondering um, why the hell it's not there. But yes, go out there, support your local wrestling. You know, and folks, if you're tuning in in another state and you're a wrestling fan. Go support your other local wrestling promotions. You know, wrestling is a fraternity. Professional wrestling is a fraternity. You know, it's a family. We all got to keep the locals, the indies going strong. You know, there's so many local promotions out here that I love um, here in the St. Louis area and in the Kansas City area as well. Um, so definitely show your support. 
promote the shows, um, stay free of the drama, because trust me, that sucks ass. Um, and Chris Romile says, no booing the senior official. If you are at PWE this Saturday, which I hope you are, boo the senior official. Yes, it's always boo. it's always it's always fun. Um, and also watch out for KLD because he don't mess around. All right. One more piece of news, folks, I want to put on here on Roundabout Sports, and that is the latest in the NFL. Okay, I got and, – and it's all about injuries. And I know it's like, well, why do we got to talk about injuries? Because, hell, that's usually the things that are easy to keep up to date with. One thing I do not understand, though, 79 days ago to this date, it's November 29th, 79 days ago, Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. You saw it tear. You watched the broadcast in slow motion, and that thing popped, tore, ripped. Like you saw the legs shake. I still get shivers thinking about it. Okay. That usually knocks you out for the whole season. You're ready by training camp, and you're good to go. We are in week 13, Jared, and Aaron Rodgers has been cleared. What the hell is this man on? I know he's the one that's usually uh, – used to like talking about different alternatives with medicine and things like that. I don't know whatever he's on. It's working because, or, or there is the, there is the, uh, what is it? Option B, you know, choice B, whatever. That wasn't a torn Achilles, but I mean, I've never, because we're talking 2023 football. We're not talking 1978 football when guys would go out there with giant casts on their arms and didn't give a shit. I'm talking straight up, this guy tore his Achilles and is cleared to come back. Make make it make sense. Just just somebody please make it make sense. The only thing I, can't. I can read realistically think of is he's on the roids <laughs> that's the best thing i can think of is the roids because there's no possible way unless you did fake an injury and somehow just have a balloon right there and you just popped it or something like that other than that there's no possible way 13 weeks I don't think he's on stair. I don't think he's on roids, but he's got to be on something that's not a banned substance. But it's definitely something that I'm like trying to comprehend how this works. Or this he went, you know, somewhere on a retreat, did some alternative meds and something. Yoga. I, did DDP yoga hell maybe DDP yoga helped him out I don't know I mean it's helped so many people out but whatever it is Aaron Rodgers is coming back folks a lot sooner than expected too bad the New York Jets suck ass so he's not going to help them for a playoff run but look the guy signed up for two years might as well get as most out of it as he can before he retires mm. now and the word and some positive news updates from the Kansas City Chiefs. Coach Andy Reid gave updates on two players on the team who've been injured: linebacker Nick Bolton, another Mizzou stud, and running back Jarek McKinnon. 
Okay, first addressing Nick Bolton. Now, Bolton's been out for a while, for about a month, with a uh, dislocated wrist. Uh, it was in week seven when they beat the Chargers. It required surgery. At the time, it was reported Bolton was going to miss about six weeks. Okay, well, it was week seven. We're in week 13. There you go. Six weeks are up, basically. Um, Reed said, quote, I think we'll be able to get some work from Nick. I mean, he's wanted to go here even before this, but you're just trying to make sure he's right. Now, last year, I'm going to make this clear. Last year, Nick Bolton had 180 tackles. Holy crap. He's only played four games this year, and he's only had 28 tackles. But thankfully, Kansas City's defense has, honestly, it's bailed out the offense a lot this year. Something we're not used to saying when it comes to the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when your best receiver is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the ball's in their court, or I guess you should say the ball's dropped on the field. Um, meanwhile, as far as McKinnon is concerned, Reed acknowledged the Chiefs are taking a cautious approach, saying, quote, his groin has been bothering him for a bit. He's kind of pushed through it, but he's at the point where it was going to have a hard time working at the level he wants, so we're going to play it safe. Now, this week, Jared, Sunday Night Football, Chiefs, Packers, Lambeau Field. I love it. <laughs> I see the look in your eye. Well, I hate both teams. But what? Yeah, I know. Oh, believe me, when the Broncos beat the Chiefs, you called you called me, and you were ecstatic. Um, you were happy when the Lions beat the Chiefs. Oh yeah, I'm happy with whoever beats the Chiefs. If you really think about it, go down my history. If you beat the Chiefs, I'm a fan of you. <laughs> Anything oh, to do with goodness. Kansas City. If Kansas City loses, I win. That's that's how the game goal goes, you know? See, folks? And he says Christopher Miles is the heel. I mean, let's put it this way. he's He's got half the audience that loves him. The other half that'll hate him. But you know what? Embrace it. You know? You're never going to be universally loved, so you might, you know. Um, All right. Like the late great Rosalind Carter always said, you're gonna be you're always gonna be criticized for everything that you do by someone, so you might as well do it right. Mm -hmm. um, so with that said, I'm you know, Chiefs played the Packers. Definitely the AFC playoff picture is absolutely a hot mess right now. You got the Ravens, Jaguars, uh, Dolphins, and Chiefs leading the divisions. Got the Browns, Steelers, and Tech. No, Browns, Steelers, and Colts in the wild cards. Then you got about five other teams that are still in the hunt. And if you want my honest opinion, one of those teams is not the Buffalo Bills. Yes, technically. No realist. I'm going to tell you right now. They have to win out. Because I feel like um, 11 and 6 is the only. To me, the worst you can finish and be a wild card in the AFC this year is ten and seven. Bills are already five and six. Um, 
in hell, the Browns are seven and four, and this is and this week they're probably going to start Joe Flacco, and that's their fourth quarterback they've gone through this year. But they hell, they're seven and four. So if that team is that type of team, like with with all the quarterback issues they're dealing with this year, if they're somehow in the front driver's seat of the wild card race, the Steelers, their defense is good as usual. Um, as much as Kenny Pickett sucks, look. He gets it done at the end of the game, and that's when it matters most. Colts have made the most of what they have. The Texans, MVP candidate, C.J. Stroud. The entire AFC is the polar opposite of the NFC. The NFC, you kind of already established who's going to be there. Eagles are already going to be the top seed, pretty much. Lions are probably going to win their division. Um... The NFC South really shouldn't even have anybody there. And the 49ers are going to probably win their division. You know, it's just figuring out a couple teams for the wild card. But the AFC, for, I mean, you still got, technically, you still got the Broncos in the hunt. They started off one and five, and they've won five straight. Um, You still got, technically, the Chargers. Technically, the Bills. Um, I mean, let me like let me quickly look at who NFL.com considers teams that are still in the hunt based off of you know the situation. Okay, so here we go. Right now, we got um, the Texans, Broncos, Bills, and Bengals. Those are the ones that are five and six or better. Raiders are five and seven. Chargers are four and seven. And I'm sorry, anybody but that is not making it. Um, if so, help me. If the Patriots make it at eight and nine, which is what they would have to be, I will not watch football anymore. If okay, yeah, I'm saying it. If the New England Patriots somehow make the playoffs this season, I'm I'm done. I I cannot do it. Like. I'm finally getting to enjoy seeing them play like crap. Something I did not get to witness my entire childhood. Let me tell you something, Jared. Okay, I am pushing 30 here. My entire childhood was just watching disappointment from the Rams and the Browns and watching the Patriots take all the the glory at the end. (laughs) With a couple Colts... Super Bowls or a Colts Super Bowl or Saints Seahawks. Super Bowl, Seahawks mixed in between. But let's face it, it was the Patriots the whole way, and we're finally realizing it was because of Brady and not Belichick. Um, and no, Piper, I am pushing 30. 28 is closer to 30 than it is to 25. So I will go on that technicality. Um, <laughs> like I said, and then you go to the NFC Eagles are 10 and one, Niners and Lions eight and three. Falcons are five and six, and they're in first. Cowboys are eight and three. Seahawks and Vikings are um, the other two final wild card teams. But then you got once again Packers, Rams, and Saints five and six. Buccaneers four and seven. Giants. I kind of want the Giants to make it. I kind of want to see that. I want to see Tommy DeVito do it. I want to see it. So they're four and eight. They're probably not going to make it there in third place. Um, I mean, hell, it's 
better than the freaking one and ten uh Panthers and the two and ten Cardinals. True. So but... I want to see it. It's not going to happen, but no. I'll see it. <laughs> Hell, I'm just trying to see the uh, the Browns make the playoffs. It's, let me tell you something. Before we start wrapping it up, if you told me that in, two, in back in 2011, 2012, if you told me that Joe Flacco was going to be the starting quarterback for the Browns in 2023 in the midst of them being in the playoff, yeah, no, I would think you're high. And I would ask what you're smoking and if I could have some. But nevertheless, here we are. Joe Flacco's probably going to start for Cleveland this week. It's 2023. Growing up, I would have killed for a season when the Browns would win seven games. It only did it like three or so times that I was watching, maybe four times. I mean, here we are. They're already seven and four. So we'll see what happens. And, of course, Jared's favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, are the number two seed in the AFC. Um, But they don't get a bye week. And right now, they still have to face um, or they have to sit behind the Baltimore Ravens. So (laughs) buckle up, folks. Playoff push is upon us, and I love it. No, there's one more thing. So, I don't know if you read about this. You may have seen it, but on the Philadelphia Eagles website this morning at 10 a.m., they announced that Deshaun Jackson is going to be retiring this Friday. Yep, he is after a 15-year career, I believe. Long career in the NFL. Um, You know, and... Deshaun Jackson, definitely one of the greats of the past decade and a half. I will say I will never forget his punt return touchdown against the Giants. The game Michael Vick led the improbable comeback, and Jackson sealed it with that last-second punt return touchdown. Um, You know, but I believe – he holds the record for touchdowns over 60 yards with 26, which when you think about football and you think about a football field and having to run 60 yards for a touchdown with that intensity and doing that 26 times, it's a lot. So props to him. Yeah. He is a phenomenal player, one of the best that – one of the best for the Eagles that they've had in a very long time, though. Yes. He, he helped the Eagles a lot. but He did. Yeah. Well, folks, it's about that time. We're going to wrap it up this evening here on Roundabout Sports. As always, I want to thank Jared for being on the show. Um, we have at the bottom of the screen, for those that are tuning in on our audiovisual one, um, the NAMI helpline, for those that don't know um, what that is, NAMI is the uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization dedicating, dedicated to building better lives for those with mental illness. Um, you can call at 1-800-950-NAMI, 1-800-950-NAMI. And, of course, we always close the show by 
putting up the suicide and crisis lifeline. And for that, you dial 988. Um, the line is open 24 7, 365, 366 on leap years. Understand that you are never alone in this world. There is always somebody out there um, who cares and loves you and wants to help you. Um, you know, we all have our struggles in this world and none of us should have to face them alone. Your struggles are not worth any less than anybody's else, anybody else's. Um, and so definitely be sure to reach out to somebody because you are just a phone call or text or an email away. And for those, cannot you can also be that listening voice or that listening ears for somebody else as well. Um, once again, I'd like to thank Jared for joining me this week on Roundabout Sports. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on on and on YouTube. Um, have a wonderful last two days of November. We'll catch you next week where it's the last month of 2023, folks. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp, and remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody.